0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome in to the Hogbeat Hour. I am the host, Mason Choate, joined alongside by managing editor of Hogbeat.com, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader, staff writer and recruiting expert over at Hogbeat.com. Arkansas was on a bye week last week, um, so there's not a whole lot to talk about as far as what's going on on the field. There are some injury updates, um, some big recruiting updates, but let's just start with the open week. What happened? Hutch, you were on vacation. You don't really know what happened, um, but I'm sure you've caught up. You know what you're doing. So, Hutch, what have you learned catching up? And I guess actually just go ahead and start. How's vacation, man?
1: It was a good vacation. You know, I went to Orlando with my wife and uh, got, to, got to go to Disney, got to go to Universal, a lot of fun, a lot of walking. Uh, <laughs> it showed me how out of shape I truly was, uh, but it, it was a good time. It was good to kind of get away from things for a week before having to, to jump back into it for the this final stretch run. I'm sure I felt, you know, just as refreshed as, as the Razorbacks did after a week off.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I went to Disney in August, and it's just, it's almost not even worth it for all the walking and standing in line you have to do, but um, so Arkansas was able to get healthy, though, and that's a good thing. You have Dalton Wagner back. Mark Utzi is supposed to be back as well. Traylon Burks had some issues. He's supposed to be healthy. KJ Jefferson has been dealing with some issues. So are, are there any injuries that we're worried about
1: um, going into this week against Mississippi State, Hutch? Not that I can really think of. I mean, you know, obviously Jalen Catalan's out for the season. That's That's a significant blow, but we knew about that already. Uh, really the only ones that we were really kind of watching were, were Dalton Wagner and Markel Utzi. Those are two starters. Uh, they both missed time. Uh, I think Wagner missed three games. Utzi missed two games. Uh, they're both expected to be back. It, it sounded like Utzi might have been able to play against UAPB like had had they really needed him to, which obviously they didn't. Uh, and, and Wagner, uh, they it sounds like they kind of scheduled his surgery to where he would be able to come back for this Mississippi State game and be available for the, these last four games. So I think they're as as healthy as they're going to be, as healthy as you can be with four games left in an SEC slate uh, as, as you can be. Now we'll, we'll talk a little
0: bit more about Mississippi State later on in the episode. Hudge is going to talk with Theo DeRosa of the Commercial Dispatch. He, he's an expert over there with Mississippi State. And then we're going to talk about them ourselves um, To end out the show, but let, let's talk about some young guys. Um, Pittman talked over the bye week how there were some young guys who were going to make some moves into the lineup after the UAPB game. Um, and we, we think that's going to happen. I mean, Alex, you've been out at practice. Dominique Johnson's probably the number one guy running back. How do you feel about that?
2: I like it. I think a couple of weeks ago I, I had brought up, you know, maybe after rock what rocket rocket Sanders did um, for the past couple of weeks, maybe he could step into that top role. Um, and we all kind of thought, you know, maybe they're just going to stick with trail Smith and, and run this by committee, but Dom Johnson's really stood out over these last, I guess, for the entirety of the, the first part of the season. And you hear Pittman saying, we want to get him more carries. We want to get him more carries. I still think there's going to be that committee approach, but having him come into the game first has to be a huge confidence boost.
0: And then a name that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is Keetron Jackson Jr. at wide receiver. But the surprising thing is Pittman talked about Bryce Stevens, Hutch. What do you think about Bryce Stevens? We've we've seen him in practice. He played a little bit against UAPB, um, but he's supposed to take on a bigger role now.
1: Yeah, according to Sam Pittman, he's the number two slot receiver now. You know, that puts him right behind Traylon Burks and uh, ahead of guys like Jaquelin Crawford or TJ Hammond's guys that we've seen play a handful of snaps here and there. Uh, so I don't know exactly how much Bryce Stevens is going to play, uh, but we got kind of a, a glimpse of his explosiveness and his speed on a, a 27-yard punt return against UAPB. Obviously, that's that's UAPB. That's not a, an SEC team by any means. So, uh, But he does have that speed, uh, that uh, athleticism that they really, really like. Uh, I know back during fall camp and early on in the season when we got to watch some practice, he struggled with drops. Uh, that that was a concern but it sounds like he's really coming on strong and, and I would assume that that issue has been at least somewhat resolved if they're uh, confident enough in him to, to say he's number two on the depth chart even though it doesn't you know reflect that on the depth chart they release so uh, gonna be interesting I mean I think Keytron Jackson is still the the best freshman receiver I think he's a guy that's still gonna play you know significant snaps like he has been uh, but it it sounds like we might see Bryce Stevenson more. He can still appear in two more games and maintain his red shirt. I'm anxious to see if that's what he does, or if they say, you know what, let's just let him play these last four games and and a potential bowl game and uh, not even worry about the red shirt. That's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on here down the stretch.
0: I'm curious what your thoughts are though, because you talk about a number two receiver behind Burks. Well, that number two receiver behind Burks is – it's a different guy every game and that guy's probably averaging what two or three catches a game. So does it really matter if there's a number two or do you think that they really want to actually get a number two guy to get more targets, to make more of an
1: impact in the game? Yeah. You say they average maybe two or three catches a game. I honestly think they maybe average two or three snaps a game because Traylon Burks is on the field a ton. I mean, I mentioned Jaquelin Crawford. He's, he's been the guy listed as the number two guy on the depth chart all year. And I think he's played a handful of snaps. I mean, if that, you could go back and look at all the pro football focus breakdowns on Hogbeat, but he does not play very much, much less get very many targets. I I think Crawford's caught three passes this year total. And I don't think TJ Hammonds has caught any. Those have been the main guys behind Burks. Uh, But the other thing too is. Just because you're the number two guy in the slot or whatever doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be getting to play a lot because they they move these guys around. I mean, Burks is listed as a slot guy, but he they line him up wherever. I mean, they line him up in the backfield, they line him up outside, they line him up, you know, split out wide just by himself. So it, it's it just kind of varies, but yeah, I don't know if they're going to try to actually get Bryce Stevens involved. Um, the fact that he's already played in two games and he can't just say, okay, we're going to play in these last four and, and let him redshirt, that, that's going to be interesting to watch because I don't know what you want to do. I mean, do you want to burn that redshirt? That's going to be the million-dollar question uh, these last four games.
0: And then lastly, as far as bi-week competition goes, we saw some competition in the secondary. We knew it was going to happen because you mentioned the cattle on injury. Uh, earlier on. So somebody had to step up at safety. Um, We know that uh, Jaden Johnson has been battling at nickel, I believe. And then uh, Miles Slusher taking over at safety. Thought it might've been Simeon Blair for a little bit. And Simeon Blair is still going to play, but Miles Slusher seems to be the guy. Pittman talked highly of him. So um, Alex, I just want to ask you, break down that secondary. Do you think Slusher is going to be able to, you know, step into the shoes of Catalan? We know he's not Jalen Catalan. He did get a pick against UAPB. And then, I mean, we know Jaden Johnson is talented. He's shown flashes all year long. So you think those guys are going to be able to make an impact even this week against the air raid offense of Mississippi State?
2: I think the real key to this secondary for the rest of the year is how much of a push the defensive line can get. Um, If you're able to get that pressure and force guys uh, to make difficult throws quickly, you're going to give yourself your secondary a little bit of a break um, on those pass plays. But I think last week, you know, not an sec team we've talked about that but you have to be reassured by what the secondary did without cattle there were a couple chunk plays that you maybe could live without but 8 of 22 for 100 Uh, 12 yards passing and and two picks I mean that's a stat line you'll take any day against any team so I think it's reassuring to be able to see that without Catalan and not see them necessarily struggle against a team that's a lower caliber Um, this is going to be a huge test there's there's no greater test to a secondary than an air raid offense and I think that's what we're going to run into this week when we're watching uh, what Arkansas can do
0: so you mentioned that defensive line, Arkansas does get Markel Utzi back. Hutch, how big of a get is that to get that guy back? Because earlier in the year, he was very effective. You might not have seen it on the stat sheet, but if you just watched during the games, he was a guy who was generating a ton of pressure. Um, He had a couple tip passes. I mean, it's great to get a guy like that back, especially uh, as I mentioned earlier against Mississippi state.
1: Yeah. I mean, for if, if nothing else, it's a, it's a, key depth piece I mean he's he was a starter and he's a starter for a reason as Sam Pittman likes to say because he's you know going to be their best option there uh, but it also just helps you're able to rotate more guys in there keep guys fresh uh, so you're able to generate pressure not just in the first quarter but in the fourth quarter as well and we've seen that uh, that defensive line really get worn down and, and just be non-existent especially late in games. so I, I think it's a, a huge addition for Arkansas. You know he hasn't been as good as maybe like a Trey Williams has has been, uh, but he's been a solid piece for Arkansas. Plus, he's experienced. He's been he's been around the block a few times as a as a super senior. So uh, I think anytime you can get a guy like that back, a starter, an experienced guy like that, it, it's a big 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 deal.
0: All right, well, we'll round this segment out with some basketball talk. Arkansas beat North Texas in the final exhibition game, sixty-eight to sixty um i I was unable to be there alex i don't think you were there either but hutch you were there you got to watch it you saw what happened you didn't see the east central game so um, but i know you kept up with it uh i mean i guess it's just a better performance from arkansas they did what they were supposed to they actually scouted the team this time um what did you see who stood out to you um and where do you think that they really improved from that east central game because there's not a lot to take away from East central but you know
1: it seems like it was almost night and day. Well, it looks like they shot like crap against these central. So uh, that was a definite improvement for Arkansas. They actually came out really, really hot. They were shooting over 50% from the three point line in the first half. Uh, They, they built a double digit lead. Uh, They saw it dwindle in the second half. You would have liked to see a better second half performance uh, against North Texas. Uh, But they did, you know, win and they, they did enough to pull out the win at the ends. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, to me, the biggest thing is, is it still looks like a team that's trying to figure things out. You know, there's still a lot of new pieces. Guys have missed time with injuries. Eric Musselman has talked about it a few times. He's, he's been very frustrated by it, uh, that guys have been dinged up. I mean, in the North Texas game, they didn't have Jalen Williams, uh, had back spasms. Uh, Kamani Johnson was out. He's, he's got a, a wrist injury he's dealing with. It sounds like both of them should be back uh, for, for the actual season opener on Tuesday. Uh, but, you know, not having them, you're, you're still trying to figure things out. They really struggled on the boards without Jalen Williams and without Kamani. Those are two guys you're probably going to rely on to get you some rebounds. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was just kind of a a team that's going through growing pains right now. They're, they're still trying to figure each other out. And even some of the players after the game like Chris likes, he said it like, you know, like, we're, we're still pretty new playing with each other. We're trying to figure each other out. Uh, That's just going to take time. We're going to probably see some growing pains here uh, during non-conference play, but the key is get them figured out in non-conference play before you enter SEC play.
0: I'm curious, uh, without Jalen Williams there, uh, who who really stepped up in his place? Um, Because we know that we're not going to see a whole lot of Connor Van over every game. Um, it's not he's not going to be a starter like he was last year um, but who stepped up because against East Central Adiz Tony had 15 rebounds and it was like okay maybe we have another Justin Smith here I know he didn't do that against North Texas Um, so was there a guy I'm sure they went with a smaller lineup but was there a guy that w- kind of filled the shoes of Jalen Williams on the boards
1: yeah they definitely went small I mean they had uh, the tallest guy I think they played was six six, so that, that tells you right there they they went small. I think the guy that really kind of stepped up that maybe surprised some people is Trey Wade. Uh, he's a guy that had missed some time with a knee injury. I didn't even think he was going to be playing against North Texas, but you know there he was, and, and he even played more <clears throat> than Eric Musselman expected. Uh, so to to get him in there, he had he showed some real good toughness. Uh, uh, Eric Musselman talked about that that he brings some toughness uh, to to the lineup. Uh, And and he did, he did well, but really, honestly, if we're we're being completely honest, no one really stepped up. I mean, they got whipped on the boards by quite a bit, gave up second chance points that really made it closer than it should have been. If they had rebounded well, if Jalen Williams had been in that game, uh, I, I believe Arkansas wins it by probably, you know, 20 or so, but alas, they didn't. And uh, they came away with just an eight point win.
0: Yeah, throwing it back to Musselman's first season there. I mean, well, it was like every single game, they were getting out-rebounded like crazy. And then last year, things were a lot better. So Jalen Williams is a guy that you need to be healthy. Um, And hopefully he is, like you said, to come Uh, when Mercer comes to town next Tuesday night, and that's at 7 p.m. Um, but coming up, we're going to talk recruiting. Arkansas gets a big commitment, maybe a couple more to come. Um, And then we're going to talk Mississippi State later on in the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. All right, back here on the Hogbeat Hour talking some recruiting. Arkansas gets a big commitment from in-state recruit from Fayetteville, Isaiah Satania. He's a four-star wide receiver. I mean, he's a track star. You can tell on the field he's a track star. I remember watching him play against Conway in week one in the very first play. That Fayetteville ran from scrimmage. He took it like 82 yards to the house on a end around. So he's really good at football. He was originally committed to Texas A&M, decommitted, then commits to Oregon. And now he's committed to Arkansas. So um, let's start with you, Andrew Hutchinson. What do you know about him? Any insight on why he decided
1: to flip to Arkansas? You know, he, he's, what I know about him is just what you said. He's got elite speed. He's got track speed. Uh, I think the the plan is, at least at one point, was for him to run track and play football at the college level. <clears throat> he's the son of a, a former Arkansas assistant track coach uh, who also was formerly the head coach at the University of Texas. So he's got that track background. Uh, talking to Casey Dick, his head coach at Fayetteville, who's also a former Arkansas quarterback, It sounds like he's really kind of grown as a receiver over the last three years uh, and become a really good football player as evidenced by him being a, you know, top 200 recruit in the class of 2022, (laughs) as far as what made him flip. uh, I think it's just a matter of, you know, he's not a true in-state guy and that he didn't grow up in Arkansas cheering for the Razorbacks. He's only lived here for a few years, but he has become good friends with some of these other in-state guys and Arkansas has done such a good job securing those guys you know james jointer uh, uh nico devillier uh emarian harris uh you know jj uh hollingsworth uh, so so guys like that uh dax courtney uh quincy mcadoo they've got all those guys and i think he's friends with those guys and they've said hey let's let's come play with us come play with us in fayetteville and i think finally it just kind of said hey i'm, I'm gonna do it he probably saw also the the, what Arkansas has done this year, they've had success. He sees that they could use some more receivers, especially if you you know figure Tyson Morris and Davion Warren are on the way out as super seniors. Traylon Burks is probably a first-round draft pick. So there's going to be a hole to fill there, and he probably says, hey, why not me? Why can't I come in as a freshman and, and immediately contribute for the Razorbacks?
0: Now I want to ask Mr. Alexander Trader. Uh, you did a film breakdown of Isaiah. What do you see from him just on the field uh, and what, I mean, we know he brings speed to this Arkansas football team, but I mean, he's a guy who can go up and catch contested balls as well. Tell us a little bit about what you see from him on the field.
2: Yeah. I mean, at least at the high school level, I see a kid that's a clear number one option for any team he's on. (laughs) You go out there and, and, you know, he had, I was able to go see him in Springdale a couple of weeks ago and you, Every big play he made, it was just, wow, I can't believe he got that open. Wow, I can't believe he made that cut and made these guys miss. It's just just that kind of explosiveness and electricity on the field where I heard a guy on the sideline saying, wow, this kid's a video game. Like That's just stuff that's a huge, huge compliment. You're running around. It's like Tyreek Hill when you're playing Madden, um, able to just kind of make everyone else look silly. And, and that track speed that, that Hutch talked about is a true, true thing. Like. If he got past you, there was almost no chance he was getting caught. And you'll see that a lot if you look through his tape,
0: yeah, I, I like how you said that, you know, he's the he's the clear number one guy on the field, and he's doing that at the highest level of Arkansas high school football. Now, we know Arkansas is no Texas, no Georgia, but you know, it's the top level of Arkansas high school football, and he's he's just out there making some guys look silly. So, um, but that commitment, Puts Arkansas up to number 14 in the nation, fifth in the SEC. Um, Hutch, how many more guys can they bring on? And, I mean, you kind of talked about it. They're probably going to bring on some more guys. We know maybe a few more guys are going to commit soon. or We don't really know when, but tell us a little bit about what you know.
1: Yeah, the the matter of how many guys they can bring in is somewhat confusing this year because of everything that happened with COVID. Everyone had an extra year of eligibility, so you don't know what guys like, you know say, Bumper Pool, uh, some other guys on the team that that are seniors, what they're going to do. Are they going to be able to come back, uh, or do they want to come back for an extra year because then they're going to count toward the 85-man scholarship limit. Uh, You've got your annual limit. Uh, which Arkansas was was probably only going to bring in like 20, 22 players, something like that. Uh, but then they passed a, a thing where you can add up to seven, but that requires players transferring out. So uh, I think Sam Pittman said it best a few weeks ago when he said it's very fluid as to how many guys are going to bring in, because you also want to leave some spots open for the portal, because you're going to bring in, you know, guys like a Trey Williams or Markel Lettsy or John Ridgeway, uh, And, so, yeah, I'm not sure how many guys they're going to bring in, but I do know that they are not done. Uh, we saw several of the other commitments saying, hey, we're not done. There's going to be other guys coming on board. Uh, I'm sure Alex can probably touch on a couple of these guys, one in particular. Uh, but they're they're definitely going to bring in. I think they're at 20 uh, commitments right now. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them get up to 22, 23, and then you've got a few spots there to, to land some portal guys, assuming uh, players transfer out. Um, I I
0: was curious. Now you're the resident stat guy, just like in in Arkansas sports media. Um, Arkansas now is four for four on the in-state four stars. When's the last time that Arkansas really just got a clean sweep of the top players in the state of Arkansas in football? Because it seems like when that happens,
1: that that it leads to a lot of success on the field. Am I right? You know, I haven't gone back and looked it up. For sure, that's something I have on my uh, to-do list today. However, just thinking about it last night, you know, it it reminds me a little bit of the 2015 class uh, that had Ty Story, uh, CJ O'Grady, guys like that. You know, they they did go. They went like at one point they were like 10 for 10 on the top in-state kids. Uh, However, uh, KJ Hill ended up decommitting and ended up at Ohio State. Uh, so that one, not quite the exact same thing. You know, the the twenty two thousand eight class comes to mind. Uh, the one that had all the receivers in it: Joe Adams, uh, Jarius Wright, Greg Childs. Uh, that group was was pretty pretty good. I don't know if they got everybody, and not all those guys were were highly tatted guys. I mean, Joe Adams was a four star. I think Jarius Wright was a four star, but I don't think Greg Childs was um and Chris Gragg I, I know was not a a highly rated tight end. I think that group also had Tyler Wilson I want to say uh that was a pretty pretty good group of guys and we know what they did uh, for Arkansas and, and you know winning a lot a lot of games so uh it, this is shaping up to be a a headliner group of in state kids
0: and he he did become the fifth rivals 250 um, commit for Arkansas and Alex of those five guys I mean you got to think that most of them are going to be able to come in and make an immediate impact for Arkansas and I, I I'm thinking specifically at wide receiver because Hutch talked about this earlier you're going to lose Traylon Perks um, you're going to lose Davion Warren Tyson Morris like somebody's going to have to step up and why not be a true freshman
2: yeah, I think especially after what we've seen so far this season, true freshmen are going to have a chance to come in and earn their way into that lineup. And uh, you've got a ton of really talented guys coming in with this class. Um, I think you know Rashad Dubinion has has been very good this season. Uh, and his highlights are kind of you see him every week and it's just wow Um, but as far as other guys you want to touch on I mean Hutch said you know maybe 2022 guys every time you think this class is done boom Anthony Brown boom surprise five star kicker out of Australia like it's just stuff like or punter out of Australia it's stuff like that where you just really never know what's going on and um the guy that hutch was talking about you know made a visit just a couple weeks ago and he he announced his intention on returning for an official in december that's sam mbake uh georgia or plays in north cobb georgia heck of a player i did a film breakdown on him not too long ago as well And, and you see just the the amount of talent that you could have coming in for this class is really uh, something you wouldn't expect just a couple of years after, after back-to-back two and eight se- or two and 10 seasons. It, it's really, really interesting what Sam Pittman's doing on the trail. And I think focusing in on those in-state kids, uh, if you can win your state, then you can go out and compete in other States. And I think that's a really important part of what this new regime is doing.
0: I'm curious, this is like a really weird question, but if, if either of you can answer this, do so. Isaiah Satane is a four-star in Arkansas. Sam Mbake is a three-star in Georgia. I know that that's not – those ratings aren't specific to the state, but if Sam Mbake is playing in Arkansas, do you think he's still a three-star or do you think that he might he might bump up a little bit because of the level of competition? I don't know. I'm just asking if you guys know.
1: That's a good question. Uh, I think that if he was playing in Arkansas – I mean, he's playing in, in Georgia, which is one of the premier – places to play high school football. I mean, it's right out there with Texas, Florida, California. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe he put up bigger numbers. Uh, <clears throat> but I don't know if he would necessarily change his rating because rivals, you know, they 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 do a lot of this stuff based on what you look like on film, but also how you look in camps, things like that. So I'm not sure if it would lead to a, a ratings bump uh, because it's, he's still going to have the same measurables uh, that, that we look for. Uh, but it, it it is an interesting thought, you know, would he be more productive in a state like Arkansas and possibly lead to a, a higher rating? I, that I don't know.
0: Okay, well, I think that's about going to wrap us up for recruiting. Uh, big commitment, hopefully more to come for Arkansas. I, I, I do want to say, though, like Andrew Hutchinson, I'm so disappointed in you for saying K.J. Hill because you just made Alex Trader so happy, and that's not something that we want. You can't say K.J. Hill. You can't say Ohio State, Okay. Um, But that's going to do us for the recruiting segment here on the Hogbeat Hour. Coming up next, Hutch is going to talk with Theo DeRosa of the Commercial Dispatch over in Mississippi. And then we're going to talk Mississippi State ourselves. Um, Big matchup. I I don't know if it's a must-win for Arkansas, but it's a big game that you need to win um, here in the final stretch of the season. So we'll talk about that on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com.
3: Welcome back
1: to another edition of Know the Foe. I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of Hogbeat.com, your Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. Fresh off an open date, the Hogs are back in Fayetteville this week, and they're hosting Mississippi State. Both teams are sitting at 5-3 and receiving votes in the AP poll, so it should be a pretty good game. Uh, with that, it's time to once again go behind enemy lines for some insider perspective on this upcoming game. Uh, Theo Derosa covers the Bulldogs for a commercial the Commercial Dispatch in Mississippi, and he was kind enough to give us some time today. Theo, we appreciate it. How are you?
3: Doing well, Andrew. How are you?
1: Doing all right. It's uh, November, it's starting to feel like football weather. Uh, so we'll start off kind of with a broad question. You know, how how would you characterize this Mississippi State season? up to this point
3: well it's funny because if you go through the first four games you'd probably say it's a disappointing season you get that win over nc state they barely beat la tech they lost to memphis they lost to lsu but since then they've looked really good they beat texas a&m on the road they just beat kentucky pretty handily at home those two ranked wins are really i mean they're right behind arkansas outside the top 25 so right now it's been a pretty good season for mississippi State. They're basically guaranteed a bowl game because they have a game with Tennessee State in a couple of weeks, and they could get up to nine wins if they win all four games. Now that's going to be a challenge. Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss still on the schedule, but yeah, it's been a good year.
1: And everyone knows about Mike Leach and that air raid offense. We we kind of got a taste of it last year uh, with his first season. But I'm curious if it maybe looks a little bit different, or maybe is it, it does it do they feel like it's running more smoothly now that it's year two in the system?
3: They do. Last year, KJ Costello had that great game against LSU, something like 600 passing yards, and they won that game in Baton Rouge. But after that, he really struggled and true freshman Will Rogers replaced him mid-year. Now Rogers is the established starter. He won SEC Co-Offensive Player of the Week last week, going 36 for 39, setting an SEC completion percentage record. He's been executing this offense well and the receivers have improved. You guys, uh, they have guys with more experience. They have a couple freshmen coming on. So two really good running backs and Woody Marks and Dylan Johnson. Yeah, overall the air raid really has improved. Last year it was a real struggle at times. They scored zero offensive points against Kentucky, shut out at Alabama. And you didn't see anything like that though you still saw some struggles this year.
1: And you kind of mentioned Will Rogers right there. I was going to ask you specifically about him. You know, he leads the country in completion percentage. I think he's third in passing yards. It seems statistically that he's your typical Mike Leach quarterback. Uh, Would you agree with that? And and what have you made of his season so far and how he's kind of developed, you know, now in his his second year uh, there at Mississippi State?
3: Yeah, and this probably goes along with the improvement that the whole team has made. But early on, I mean, his average depth of target was pretty low, yards per attempt pretty low, and he wasn't really executing some of the high percent or some of the low percentage throws, some of the harder throws in this offense, but in games like AM and Kentucky, he has done that, and I think that's what helped them beat those teams, being able to go deep down the field like he hadn't done in the first few weeks, and he's really improved. Uh, definitely, obviously, even before that was good at completing the short throws that they like so much in this offense, but the fact that he can at least... Try a vertical game. I think that's opened up things a lot. And you kind of
1: mentioned a couple of these guys uh, earlier, but who are some of the top playmakers outside of Rodgers that Arkansas should be aware of? And, and what are their kind of strengths? What do they bring to the offense?
3: So, Makai Polk is the team's top receiver. He's a transfer from California and he's been, yeah, their best receiver this year. He, I think, is top 10 in the nation in catches. He's just got, he runs good routes, he catches the ball, and he's just a reliable guy on the outside. Jaden Wally is an explosive uh, inside receiver in a sophomore season. He set the school freshman record for receiving yards last year. Hasn't really topped that, but he's definitely capable of making plays. Had, I think, 95 yards against Kentucky. And I mentioned Marks and Johnson. Marks is probably the number one, but it's really more of a 1A and 1B at running back. What both of them can do really well is they can catch really well. Marks has at least one reception in all 19 games that he's played. And he's also in like the top 20 in receptions nationwide. So, I mean, that's going to happen when you throw the ball 54 times a game, but they have two really good backs and a few good receivers. And
1: looking at the statistics, and I'm not sure if there's a, a great answer to this, but I noticed that Mississippi State, I believe, is like 61st sixty-first na- nationally in scoring defense, uh, giving up a little over 24 points a game. But they're 17th uh, top 20 defense in total defense, allowing about 313 yards per game. What, what would you attribute that to? What what do you think is kind of the disconnect there? I mean, is there special teams mixed in there, or, or what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think special teams is involved. They had a punt return touchdown given up against Memphis, the one that had a controversial call attached, and they had one against Kentucky too. So that did account for a lot of that disconnect. I, I'd noticed that too with the disconnect between total yards, total defense, and scoring defense. A lot of it is, I mean, they've been really good at the run game. They give up some big plays sometimes, So it's not like these long drives every time. They have been prone to a few interceptions, especially lately with Rodgers. I don't know if that's just a byproduct of him trying harder throws now, but he has thrown more, setting up teams with short fields, may not get many yards, but they will get some points out of it. It is interesting to see that gap. And I think sometimes, yeah, the total yards don't tell the story, but they probably tell a better story than the scoring stats right now.
1: And Sam Pittman has talked about this week the the challenge of facing the Bulldogs' defense is that you know all their movement and the blitzes that they bring to the table, saying uh, that it's it's really vital to stay out of third and long situations. Uh, Would you agree with that assessment? And and what's kind of your scouting report on that side of the ball?
3: Yeah, I would agree because Mississippi State is one of the best teams against third down because they don't face it very much either because their defense is. Sorry, they face it a lot because. their defense is so good on first and second down. But yeah, their D-line lost defensive end Jordan Davis before the season started, but the guys that have stepped up have kind of replaced his production. Tyrus Weed, who Pittman mentioned, is a really athletic, dynamic player. He can go up front, he can play back, and Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson on the linebackers. You got Cameron Young and Jaden Cromedy on the line. It is a good defense. The secondary has cornerbacks Martin Emerson, who was he missed basically all of last week's game because of targeting. He was called for like five plays into the game and they didn't really miss a beat. I mean, you have Emmanuel Forbes on the other side, you have some good safeties. It's a good defense. It's definitely susceptible to big plays, like I said, but overall, like you said, I mean, good at total yards and pretty stout defense that held what, NC State to 10 points, Am 22, Kentucky 17, and again, seven of those were punt return.
1: And you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but I'm curious if, you're, if you were an offensive coordinator and you were going up against Mississippi State's defense, how would you try to attack it? I mean, you said they're susceptible to big plays. I mean, is that deep passes down the field or, or what, what would you say? What, what would you try to do to, to exploit that defense?
3: That's a good question. And I think what I would probably do what Alabama did, not that all of us can be Alabama, but it did work. And uh, what they did was whenever Mississippi State blitzed, they got rid of the ball quickly and they got big plays out of it mostly through the air, I think they had three touchdowns of like 40 or more yards. So you got to get the ball out quickly. And you got to do it. So you got to go away from a guy like Emerson, try to beat the safeties over the top or something like that. And I think you can run effectively, It you just have to go outside because their guys on the inside are really tough. But that's a good question. And it hasn't been easy for most teams, clearly, but there is a way to do it. And it could see, you could see Arkansas exploiting some of the weaknesses that they have.
1: And this is a little bit off topic and maybe something that people outside of journalism, people like us care about, but I've got to ask, you know, this is your first year you said cover Mississippi state. What's it like covering Mike Leach on a daily basis?
3: It's tough. It's definitely different. I mean, you don't get injury updates. He like Jordan Davis, we saw him get injured in a false scrimmage. We've never been told exactly what happened except other reports have come out that he tore his ACL, which I'm inclined to believe given social media posts but we cannot confirm that so yeah it's not easy I mean you know it's Leach he's been combative with questions I asked him a couple of weeks ago after the Alabama game and I deserved this I asked him how much how important it was that they settled for a field goal when they could have got a touchdown and Leach said I'm not a math guy but about four points I was like yeah okay that that's track but yeah it's not always easy but it can be entertaining like when my friend brought candy coin to the press conference and we just talked about it for five minutes. So it's a roller coaster for sure.
1: And finally, I'll wrap it up with this, you know, Arkansas, I think open as a, I want to say a five point favorite, depending on where you looked at uh, you don't necessarily have to give a score prediction here if you don't want to, but how do you kind of see this game playing out and what do you think are the keys to the game for, for either side?
3: I think the key for Arkansas is to get some big plays against the defense. I mean, I can't mention that enough. That's how teams have beaten Mississippi State, that's how LSU did it, that's how Alabama did it, and if you can force Rodgers into some turnovers, get some turnover luck just anywhere you can find it. Win on special teams, I think that's how Arkansas wins this game. Mississippi State, I mean, if you can go 36 for 39 passing and run the ball for almost 100 yards like they did last week, probably going to have some success, as far as a score prediction. These two teams are remarkably even to me, and I think Arkansas being at home, I'll give them an edge of a few points. You said it might be a high-scoring game. Mississippi State hasn't played that many of them, so I'd probably go something like 30 to 27 Arkansas.
1: Well, that's all I have for you today, Theo. Uh, you know, Thanks again for, for giving us some insight on the Bulldogs. And as a reminder to everyone listening, kickoff is scheduled uh, for 3 p.m., Uh, The game will be televised on the SEC network. I know everyone's excited here at Arkansas to not have another 11 a.m. game. Uh, And then also, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. So that way you can always see these Know the Foe interviews, as well as press conferences, practice clips, uh, recruiting videos, and much, much more. And as always, be sure to check out hogbeat.com for all of our coverage of everything Arkansas.
0: You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and
3: HitThatLine.com.
0: All right, last segment here on the Hogbeat Hour. Um, Hutch, I just want to give you an opportunity to tell all the listeners what they can get over at Hogbeat.com. There's a ton of great content. You're back from vacation, so you're rejuvenated. You're going to be putting out seven stories a day. Everybody can read all they want about
1: Arkansas athletics. Well, I don't know about seven stories a day, but yes, we do have a ton of content going on at HogBeat.com. I'm always producing stuff. Uh, we've got a uh, we've actually got some recruiting stuff that Alex is all over. Uh, he he recently caught up with Miles Rouser, one of those Rivals 250 recruits uh, that Arkansas has committed. Uh, that should be going up today at some point. Uh, he also does a, a weekly breakdown of, of where all the commitments are playing. So if you want to go out and watch a game Friday night, there's there's your guy. That, that's how you choose which game you want to go see. Uh, we've also got basketball stuff going on. We've got uh, Jackson Collier, our resident hoops expert, is um, you know all over the basketball season that starts on Tuesday against Mercer. Uh, he's been doing breakdowns of all the transfers. We've already got breakdowns of Odyssey Tony uh, Chris likes, um, I think another one that his name is is escaping me, but yeah, he's been all over the basketball beat. Plus, you know, the, the message board is, is a great, great value for subscribers on Hogbeat. Uh, Alex is posting every new offer. Uh, he he tries to get comments from each of those guys. We're, we're posting information. Like, uh, I teased the Isaiah Satania commitment uh, a day early. Uh, didn't, I thought it was going to be that night. Uh, turned out being uh, a day later, but you know, always always got some good information on the message board. So a lot of value for your either ten dollars a month or hundred dollars uh, a year subscription.
0: Yes, definitely worth your money. um Alex has been doing such a great job, and then of course Hutch, you're an award winning writer. So you will get your money's worth if you subscribe to Hogbeat.com. But we have to talk Mississippi State, guys. Um, this is a team that was ranked 17th in the college football playoff this week. Uh, I guess we could start there because before we started recording, Hutch, you said, I mean, 17 is a little high. I think Alex and I both definitely agree. But why do you think they deserve 17? Do you think they deserve 17?
1: I mean, at 17, as you said, does seem a little bit high. Uh, but I do think it's not the worst thing in the world that they're ranked at five and three and Arkansas is not ranked at five and three. Um, they're very different resumes. I mean, they're similar in that both teams have beaten Texas A&M. You know, i Mississippi State did it in College Station. Arkansas did it in Arlington. Uh, so that's slightly different. Uh, you know, Arkansas's other big win is over Texas. Texas does not look nearly as good as they, you know, we thought they were going to be. Or maybe we—they're exactly what we thought we would be. They would be, um, but the the Bulldogs have beaten Kentucky. They have beaten NC State early in the year. They did lose to Memphis, which is kind of like you know what what's up with that. Uh, but they they do have very quality wins, whereas Arkansas uh, does not have quite as many. I thought Arkansas might sneak into the college football playoff rankings at like twenty four or twenty five. Uh, but I'm not too terribly surprised that they weren't ranked, and I'm not too terribly surprised that, that Mississippi State was. Uh, I would say that
0: Memphis game with Mississippi State, that they kind of got a little a – little, I don't know if I would say screwed, but there was a really bad call in that game that basically won Memphis the game. Um, Alex, Arkansas opened as a five-point favorite. I think you said they moved up to a six-point favorite. Uh, what do you think about that line?
2: Yeah. uh, Well, so I got mine on the Barstool Sportsbook. I'm not quite sure what the different lines are, Um, but, but yeah, that five to six range, I'm really surprised by it. I I know Hutch said maybe not necessarily as surprised that they're favored, but six points is a lot of points in a college football game between two teams that have the same record, have a common or win over a common opponent and, and really have played kind of a similar type of season thus far. Um, I would I would have expected Mississippi State to be favored. I mean, you look at, back at the Ole Miss game, and Ole Miss was favored by five points in the Grove. So, um, kind of figuring out what what Vegas thinks of these teams is pretty interesting, as well as kind of figuring out what kind of an advantage a sold out uh, Razorback Stadium will give Arkansas on Saturday. I think you're probably going to need a lot of that that crowd to, to be up and active, and, and I would think that for Arkansas to um, really go out and dominate this game the way that the line shows that they're supposed to, you're going to need every bit of that 75,000 sellout crowd.
0: Uh, Hutch, I'm assuming you, you might agree. It's probably, Arkansas is probably favored because it's a home game. Is that, is that probably the reason?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think generally the rule is, is home field advantage equals two and a half, three points. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit surprised that it, the line is larger than that because I kind of viewed this as almost a pick 'em type game. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was that was interesting. I, I bet it's they're favored because it's at home, but that that five or six point line is very surprising. I th- it is a
0: surprising because of the challenge that the Mississippi State offense presents for the Arkansas defense. Um, Arkansas's defense has struggled a lot over the past two SEC games. I think they've been allowing like 290 yards passing uh, across the past two SEC games, four total passing touchdowns throughout the first five games of the season. They only gave up one passing touchdown. So, um, and then Mississippi state comes in with the top passing attack in the nation. Um, the, the highest completion percentage of any quarterback in the country, Will Rogers has it. So um How do you think that Arkansas is going to fare on all those dump downs, all those little screen plays, out routes to the running backs? I mean, we know that they've struggled in the passing game. Receivers have been getting a ton, a ton of separation. So do you think that they were able to fix enough over the bye week that they're going to be able to have
1: some effect on Will Rogers, Hutch? You know, I think the fact that Mississippi State's offense is the way it is Makes it somewhat manageable for Arkansas. You're probably not going to break up a ton of passes or have a bunch of interceptions, although they did have three interceptions against them last year, a different quarterback, though, Um, but they haven't been throwing the ball downfield a lot, you know, KJ Jefferson, on the other hand, is really, really good throwing the ball downfield. That's where Arkansas is really good in the passing game. This is a team, Mississippi State, that likes to dump it down, throw it in the flats, throw it behind the line of scrimmage for, for screens. Uh, I mean, I looked at it, they a ton of their passes. I mean, more than anyone in the uh, SEC are, you know, those, those behind the line of scrimmage or less than 10 yards downfield. It's really going to be a matter of can the team rally to the ball and be solid tacklers. You know, they, they've shown an ability to do that, uh, but they have also struggled with it at times. Uh, last year I think one reason they had a lot of success against Mississippi State is because they they rallied to the ball. I mean, bumper pool had like 20 tackles or something like that. You know, get another performance like that from one of your linebackers and you've got a chance because you're you're gonna keep them from breaking a long play. Eventually you'll get a stop, you'd like to think, if if you're not just giving up a 50 yard bomb. So I think that's the recipe for success for Arkansas: is is to make them nickel and dime you down the field. They are capable of doing that and still having success, but maybe you can you can get a stop here, or there, uh, and maybe your offense can can do the rest.
0: Last week, Kentucky did a rush three drop eight approach on defense. Alex, you kind of mentioned earlier how Arkansas is going to have to get a pass rush against Mississippi State. That's how the secondary is going to be successful. What do you think Arkansas is going to have to do as far as rushing the passer? Do you think that they're going to have success and what do they have to do to find
2: success? I think a huge benefit to playing this style of offense is that you're not going to have to worry about a run game. I mean, little word association here. Mike Leach, first thing that comes to mind is air raid, and that's exactly what you're going to get here. Um, The running backs, Jaquavius Marks and, and Dylan Johnson, just 250 yards each on the year, less than 500 yards rushing total for this team um through eight games that's really really low uh as long as you're able to kind of know hey they're going to have these dump down plays limit the big plays and keep everything underneath i think it's going to work similarly to a hey we're running the ball type of offense um even though it's not necessarily going with the handoff to the running back uh you're going to have to get pressure uh you're going to want to be able to have the guys around to tackle and not get beat and, and not try to do too too much in the game blitzing but having maybe four down linemen trying to get after a quarterback or three linemen and, and a linebacker and then send everyone else in coverage. Um, I really just think you can't let them get comfortable. You have to, you have to mix it up and make sure that, that Will Rogers has to think through his progressions every single time.
0: You mentioned that Mississippi state run game. I want to talk about the Arkansas run game. We kind of teased it earlier. Dominique Johnson is apparently the number one guy now um, from what I hear Dominique is a great running back, but he gets tired really quickly. He's only good for like two or three plays. So Hutch, what does Arkansas have to do? We know that Rocket Sanders and Traylon Smith is still there. I'm um, not sure exactly what AJ Green's role is going to be. I know that he's, we know that he's going to get his touches, um, but it's probably not going to be near as much as uh, as any of the other three guys. So if Dominique Johnson's like the first second down guy, what do you need to see from Rocket
1: Sanders and Traylon Smith on the other downs? Yeah, that's interesting that uh, Dominique gets tired like that because they they seem to think he could be a guy that can carry the ball at least fifteen times. Uh, so that, that's that's going to be more than he's ever had a workload for for this season. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see how he 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 fares with that. As far as the other guys, you just need them to still be what they've been, which is productive. I mean, we talk about last year when Raheem Boyd was kind of the number one guy coming in the season. And Traylon Smith eventually took over from him uh, because he was having a lot of success. But that was also because Rakeem Boyd was being very ineffective. He was not having a good year. And so it made sense to take away carries from him and, and give them to Traylon Smith. This year, it's very unique because Traylon Smith has had success. He's averaged over five yards a carry, uh, still leads the team in rushing, I believe. Uh, you don't want to take carries away from him, but you also don't want to take carries away from rocket Sanders. Cause he's also averaging a, a really healthy yards per carry. Uh, now, none of them are quite like Dominic Johnson who leads all sec running backs in yards per carry. I think he's averaging close to eight yards a pop. Uh, but it's, it's really hard to take away carries from those guys uh, when they're all having such good success. So you just need them to continue going out there and, and doing what they do. I and mean, rocket Sanders has been excellent at just finding a hole and getting something you rarely see him taken down behind the line of scrimmage uh you can't say that about like a guy like aj green i think that's why you've seen his carries kind of dwindle he does get a a rep here or there and he's got the electric uh, playmaking ability but he's also a guy that can get brought down behind the line of scrimmage we saw that even against uapb uh dominic johnson is kind of similar to the the rocket sanders and he just he gets yards he runs people over he's got good shiftiness as well uh trailing smith is more of a shifty guy he's he can he can run for a loss but he's usually pretty good at finding a hole and then once he gets a little bit of space he's a guy that can get you 20 yards like that so uh just need them to each kind of can continue their roles as well as you know kj jefferson running it at the quarterback spot and and even against a, a really good Mississippi State defense, you should have success running the ball, in my opinion.
0: We we kind of haven't really talked about this as much. Um, but Arkansas does get Dalton Wagner back on the offensive line. That's a starting offensive lineman. And it's a big deal, Alex, to have a guy like that back. It it gives you some more of that depth that uh Pittman has talked about. Um, Hodge talked about it a little bit earlier. So, how big is it to get Dalton Wagner back?
2: I think it's huge. I think I think you definitely need to look at kind of the pass protection things, and you're going against a defense that it has been performing very well uh, so far this season. Um, They started off a little slow against Memphis and against Louisiana Tech, and even against LSU, who I think they're a better team than LSU, but um, you're going to have to protect protect the quarterback if you want to have a chance in this game. I, I think there definitely needs to be some aspect of, hey, we need a shootout, we need to dominate the trenches. Um, And and I think if you're able to do that, that's a huge, huge plus. And having Wagner back is going to help give Arkansas that extra oomph to maybe be out there and have have that opportunity.
0: All right, guys, we need to wrap this up, but let's get to some predictions and thoughts. Alex, I'll let you start. Um, Just kind of what do you think is going to happen this Saturday?
2: Um, so I kind of mentioned it a little bit before I, I would have expected Mississippi state to be favored um, with Arkansas favored by six. I'm really not sure. Uh, I get, I understand the home crowd aspect and, and that's where three to four points may come into play. Um, I think Mississippi state probably stays within the number uh, if they don't win this game outright, but I, with the total set at 56, I think that's very, very interesting because with Arkansas favored, you'd have to imagine this game is that type of shootout. So 56 seems low there. I think you're going to find, uh, maybe a couple more touches for Keetron Jackson Jr. Uh, potentially stepping in as that number two guy in the offense. Warren Thompson has had a couple of rough weeks. Um, uh, you haven't really have an you don't really have an established guy to fill that role. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think you take over the fifty six points, and I think that's probably something that a lot of people are expecting. And and then as far as the game goes, I. We'll have our scores later this week uh, on, on hogbeat.com, but I do think Mississippi State probably sticks within that number, and uh, if I were a betting man, I'd definitely sprinkle them with that money line plus 175.
0: Um, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with the Mississippi State pick yet. Um, I think I'm kind of leaning towards them, though. Uh, their offense looked really good against Kentucky last week. I, I'm curious to see how much the bye week and getting healthy – really helps arkansas out because they needed it and uh so they have the advantage there and they also have the home field advantage so those are two big things for arkansas but like i said mississippi state looked really good last week um we don't i don't know exactly how good kentucky really is they haven't played a lot of great competition so um but i i think it will be a shootout uh i think that it's going to be point for point in this one and hunch i think
1: from what i've heard from you you kind of agree that it's going to be a shootout Definitely. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I don't know if we see both teams scoring in the fifties like we did against Ole Miss. uh, But I do think this could be a game where it's a 42, 38 type of score. I I would definitely hammer the over, uh, which means probably the under is going to hit because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to gambling. Uh, But yeah, I I think it's going to be a really tight game. One possession. I like Arkansas. I'm probably going to pick Arkansas just because it is in Fayetteville. Uh, but it it should be a really close game and I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State won either uh, but this would be a big big win for Arkansas to kind of get back on track get that second SEC win under their belt uh, going into you know LSU the following weekends all right well that's going to do us here on the Hogbeat Hour Arkansas versus Mississippi State at
0: three this Saturday in Fayetteville it'll be on the SEC Network for Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader I'm Mason Choate have a great day